Would you turn to Ephesians 4 this morning, please? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.11 says, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. For the what of the saints? Now what does that word mean, perfecting? Hmm? It means to bring to its full end or complete. Completion. It's also translated maturity because that is, you know, whether you're talking about financial instrument, we talk about such and such matures at a certain time, or you're talking about a child growing up and mature. What does that mean? They are mature. That means they've grown about as much as they're going to grow, right? They have come to their full development. Well, should the saints be developing? And one of the biggest things we have to help us grow up uh, are the ministry gifts. Is that right? It's not my words. That's what he said. That's why he gave us these gifts. These gifts are to help us do what? Read it. They're given for what? For the perfecting, the maturing, the developing, the completion of the saints. For what? Well, if all the saints are matured and grow up, is that going to affect the ministry of the Lord Jesus in the earth? Every believer has a ministry. Let me say that again real slow. Every believer. I just feel like I'm called, Brother Keith. We're all called. Got a call on my life. If you don't feel like you've got a call on your life, you need to get to praying and fasting and get serious about this thing. Well, I'm not a preacher. Well, most people are not preachers, five-fold ministry gifts. It's a relatively small percentage of the body that are stand behind the pulpit uh, ministry gifts. But that doesn't mean that the whole rest of the body doesn't have a ministry. We've all got a ministry. I think it's really been something that's hurt the body of Christ because uh, people have only acknowledged two or three ministries. Pastors. Evangelists, missionaries, and that's about it in a lot of denominations. But man, the Bible talks about a ministry of giving. It talks about praise. It talks about worship. How about the ministry of helps? Huh? Oh man, how big is that? Well, anything that helps the work of the Lord and that somebody does in faith with the right heart and God anoints them to do it is the ministry of helps. How many thank God for our ministers in the parking lot? Our ministers in the children's ministry and the the youth and our cleaning ministers. Huh? Our TV and internet and camera ministers. Right? Now, you know, we don't use that, you don't usually hear me say it like that. And there's a reason why, because nowadays people have this connotation that goes with minister. And they think, I'm a minister, I have a ministry, you're supposed to do something for me. (laughs) So we don't use that word that much around here, and we don't, you know, we don't have titles around here much. And what we do have is service teams. And if you look up the word, the word for ministry, that's what it means. Service. So does everyone have a ministry unto the Lord? Every believer. Does everyone, should everyone have a service unto the Lord that they do it unto him and it benefits the kingdom of God? Is that true for every believer? Every believer. And of course, we're going to be able to do our job according to how uh, well developed we are. For instance, in Romans 12, it talks about, well, in fact, let's just turn there and look at it. Hold your place in Ephesians 4 and go to Romans 12. Romans 12, he said, verse 3, I say through the grace given to me, To every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Now, a lot of people 
botch this scripture up. And they take it away and say that the Lord said, don't think highly of yourself. That's not what he said. What did he say? Don't think more highly of yourself. And what's it talking about? Than he ought to think. Should you think highly of yourself? Yes, Yes, you should. Should you love yourself? And like yourself? And have a high esteem of yourself? Got a little weaker as I went. (laughs) How do you love other people? The Lord told you to love your neighbor how? What if you hate yourself? Your neighbor's in trouble. Hmm? See, people haven't understood this fully. If you are not good at receiving love from God, and you don't know how to love God and love yourself, you are not equipped to love other people. That's a whole other subject now. But don't throw that away. Don't cast that away. And people think that humility is degrading yourself and berating yourself. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Well, now examine that statement. Are you really nothing? They don't believe it. What they're thinking is, you know, yeah, I'm something, but I'm going to be humble. And I really deserve a lot of credit for all the stuff I do, but I'm going to be humble and not take it. Now, see, you're proud of how humble you are. You're mixed up. No, it is true. Without the Lord, we are nothing. But we're not without Him. I said we're not without Him. And with Him, we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We can do all things through Him. Is it true? So he said, he didn't say don't think highly of yourself. What did he say? See, the problem is when you get to believe in lies about yourself. You're believing something that is not true. You're believing something beyond what is real and right. That's deception. And he warns you against that. But to think soberly, you know, how according as God has dealt To every man, the measure of faith. Then he goes on talking about ministries. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Is he talking about a wide uh, spectrum of ministries, of services? And he starts off by saying it, how are you going to do it? According to your measure of faith, according to your proportion of faith. So is your ministry going to become better and better and stronger as you develop? If your faith is stronger, if you grow up in love and faith, is your ministry going to begin to be further and further reaching and more and more effective and more and more fruitful? Now, the reason I went back and picked this up again, think of the text again. Go back to Ephesians now and read it with this in mind. When the Lord ascended, he gave gifts to men. All the preachers and teachers that are truly called of God, they are gifts from the head of the church to his body. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What? Why did he give them? For the perfecting, the maturing, the developing, the completing of the saints. For what? For the work of the ministry. For what? The edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Keep reading. Till what? Hmm? Till we all come in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. What kind of man? What does that mean? Fully grown. Fully mature. Brought to your full potential. Can you say amen? You know, one of the saddest things is to see people in this brief, brief life. While away their time 
and not develop either through ignorance or laziness or rebellion or whatever and go through life and not reach a fraction of their potential. It's such a waste. When we need it, we need it in the body of Christ. We need everybody. Everybody at their station. Everybody fully committed. And everybody at their maximum development. Oh, can you say amen? Amen. Now, I could get to preaching on this one. (laughs) Or talking or something. Because Phyllis and I, we have hurt. And we have been overworked. Again and again. Because people either did not stay in their place. Or they did not commit. Or they did not develop to the point that they should. So that we're having to do our job and other people's jobs. Are you with me? And this is not just happening with us. This is happening worldwide in the body. And the effect that that has is that you get less done. You're more tired. You're more worn than you should be. Because people are, you know, there's a lot of people not even trying to serve God. They're not even believers. They don't even go to church. They're not taking advantage of these gifts to help them grow up. And a lot of them are too rebellious to listen to anybody anyway. God's will is that we utilize all he's given us and that we eat good spiritual food and that we use our spiritual muscles and our faith and that we grow. I said that we grow, that we grow and we grow and we grow. And instead of somebody having to wait on us and check on us every other day and preach to us to get us back up in faith, we are able to help somebody else. We are able to contribute. We are able to bring ministry and service on a high level and a high standard. Oh, come on. Can you say amen? And it's God, can you see God's plan that the whole body of Christ rise up to the full mature stature of the Christ? Oh, glory to God. What if the whole body of Christ in the earth grew up in faith and being led to the level of Jesus walking in the earth? We'd take this place. We would take this planet. We would take it. Can you say amen? We would take it and do the work and Jesus would come back and this thing would be over. Can you say amen? But what you've got is people that were born again 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, and they're still infants. And you got millions of them. You got millions and millions of people who walked an aisle 40 years ago, but they're still saying tongues are of the devil. Don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Don't believe in using their own faith for anything. Everything's just up to God. That means you got them all laying in the baby beds. All of them's laying in the cribs. And all they know how to do is cry or holler about feed me. And the problem is they're not getting fed. They're getting fed, but it's not the sincere milk of the Word of God. There's no responsibility. There's nothing solid. Oh, but there is a group that's coming up in the earth. I said, I believe we're part of it. There is a group that's coming up. That's really getting some milk. And really getting some meat of the word. And really growing up. Casting aside and leaving aside the baby and the childish things. And taking responsibility as maturing sons and daughters. Learning how to be led by the Spirit instead of their flesh and feelings. Learn how to give instead of saying, I need, I need, gimme, gimme, gimme. Learning how to be like the Master. Who said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life. Oh, hallelujah. You get a world full of saints like that. This thing will wind up quick. Which is fine by me. Right? Glory to God. Read the next verse down here. What does it say? Verse uh, 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. Whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But what? Speaking the truth in love. May what? May grow up 
into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor. Say, grow up. (laughs) Grow up. Grow up. Say it out loud. I'm growing up in all things. I'm growing up in every area. I'm growing up to the full measure of my master, the anointed one. Now I won't stop till I get there. Hallelujah. When's that supposed to be happening? Right now. Right now. Glory be to God. Go with me, if you would, to Genesis 1 and Matthew 5. Genesis 1 and Matthew 5. Well, look at Matthew first. Matthew 5. Verse 48. Last verse of Matthew 5. 548 Matthew says... Be ye, in other words, you be, what? Perfect. Even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now, this is a neglected verse, isn't it? Why? Because people see that, and they just are sure it's not even possible. So they just don't. Pay much attention to it. They just assume, well, I don't understand what's going on there. So they just move right on. Notice that he say, try to be. Now, some modern translations in numerous verses will add the word try. Try to do this. Try to do that. That is not good. I say that. And watch out for it now. Especially if you're reading, you know, different translations. Try to do this. The Lord never told you to try to do anything. For one, that would imply that he didn't know whether you could do it or not. So he wants you to give it your best shot. He knows whether you and I can do something or not. He knows that before he tells us. So just by right of him telling us to do something, what do we know? We know we can do it or he wouldn't have told us to do it. He's not unfair. I know uh, the Lord taught me about this subject of perfection a number of years ago. And I did a study on it and then I taught on it afterwards. And the thing that spurred me on is that Phyllis and I were visiting with some people that we had known back from childhood. And uh, we asked them, you know, about their walk with the Lord before we got through with our fellowship and said, you know, y'all are going to church and reading your Bible and that kind of thing. And the young lady's a married couple. The young lady said, well, no. You know, not really. She said, I guess none of us could ever read the Bible enough. Have you ever heard that kind of reasoning? I mean, it's prevalent. Well, when she said that, something bothered me inside about her statement. But now I didn't know what it was, so I just smiled and didn't make a deal out of it. And even if you know something, doesn't mean you're supposed to do something. I'm going to say that again. Even though you know something, that doesn't mean you're supposed to Do something. You're not supposed to do something or act on everything you know. That's another message. But when she said that, well, I guess none of us could ever read the Bible enough. It bothered me. Later on in praying, waiting before the Lord, this came back up to me, her statement. So I asked, I said, Lord, what's wrong with that? I know something's wrong with it, but in my head, I don't know what it is. We've heard that all our life. You know, well, I guess you could never praise the Lord enough. I guess you could never thank the Lord enough. I guess we could never pray enough. What's the implication? That you could not, you weren't capable, you could not do it enough, or that no matter how much you did, it wouldn't be enough. And uh, I'm laying there praying about it, and the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice now, but inside my heart, he said, Keith, do you think I'm unreasonable? Do you think I'm unreasonable? Well, I didn't even have to think about that. I said, no, sir. No, I don't think you're unreasonable. I think you're fair. I think you're just. 
I prayed a little while longer. He asked me again. He said, am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir. I don't believe that. I don't believe you are unreasonable. I kept praying. He asked me the third time. He said, Keith, am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir. No, I don't believe that. He said, then you can pray enough. You can read your Bible enough. Hmm. See, religion, tradition, just messes stuff up. And so he began to minister. Now, I don't mean I'm hearing anything, but these thoughts are coming up from my spirit, illuminating my mind. The Lord ministered to me that he knows what we've got going in a day. He knows we need to sleep. He knows we need to eat. He knows we've got jobs and kids and yards to mow and clothes to wash and houses to clean. He knows that. I said, he knows it. And he is not unreasonable. See, religion, and it's the enemy behind it, tries to portray God as a harsh, cruel taskmaster. And that you can't satisfy him. Nothing you do is ever enough. Ministers. Minister after minister. Burn out. Have nervous breakdowns. Retire early. Do all kind of stuff. Why? Because the implication is they just wore their self out, just burnt their self up serving God. Well, what's the picture painted there? Is that you serve the Lord night and day, night and day, and you kind of half fall down, and he comes along and kicks you and says, Get up, boy. Get up. we got work to do. Get it. God is not that way. God even believes in vacations. He does. No. Is he unreasonable? Then you can read your Bible enough on a given day. You can pray enough. You can praise enough. Not for the rest of your life, but for the day. Well, how would you know what, how much that is? By the inner witness. You're doing something and you don't feel like you're quite through. So what do you do? Do it some more. But see, the devil tries to get people discouraged so they don't even try to finish because they're believing no matter how much I do, it'll never be enough. That's a lie. You're probably not 10 minutes away from finishing for the day. Are you listening? Sometimes it's just another chapter. Sometimes it's just another five minutes in prayer. But you'll get to the place where you got a release in your spirit and you realize that's good for now. Tomorrow's a new day, but that's good for now. Now here's the thing. God looks at that. You do something until you're satisfied in your spirit. You feel released. You feel complete. God looks at that and calls it perfection. That you did it perfectly. Perfect in the Bible doesn't mean without flaw. What does it mean? Complete. You carried it through to its end. You completed what the Lord had for you for that day. I know years ago, this was decades ago, I was coming back from another country. We'd had some good meetings. We'd had some good healing, strong anointing. Some good things had happened. And I'm sitting in the commercial airliner looking out the window flying home. And uh, I said, Lord, thank you. I'm just by myself at that moment. I said, Lord, thank you for coming through. Glory to God. Healing those people. He said, thank you for seeing this thing through. I had to check myself. I thought, did he just tell me thank you? I'm hearing stuff. (laughs) He said, I can tell my child thank you if I want to. I said, thank you. He said, no, thank you. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> well, he's just saying that you saw it through. We didn't take care of everything for the body forever, but that job, just that job, just see it through. Don't quit. See it through. Finish it until you get a release in your spirit. Oh, come on. Are you with me now? We're talking about being led by the spirit. Now, if this is new to you. Get materials. We got materials on it and get it from other people. Learn one of the most important things in life for you to learn is how to be led by the Spirit of God. But when you follow your heart until you're satisfied on something, God calls that perfection. 
Now read this again. Matthew 5. Maybe it'll have a different meaning to you now. What did he say? Be you therefore what? What does that mean? Complete. Even as your Father which is in heaven is. Now if you look at the context. And the greatest area that we can be perfect or perfected or completed in is in love. That's the greatest area. And that's what, if you read that chapter and that passage, it's getting into that. But notice, you be perfect, you be completed, you be perfected, how? How? Even like your father. It's Father's Day. We have a father. Right? And here's the thing. Our father is our example. Oh, can you see it? Our father is our example. What is perfection? He is. And he's our daddy. Children are going to be like their parents. Everything produces after its own kind. It's the law of Genesis. Now, had you turned to Genesis, do you have that? You know, you don't even have to turn there. I can read it to you. But since you turn there, might as well. Genesis 1 and 27. When God made man, in verse 27 it says, So God created man how? How? In his own image. I don't think we have fully appreciated that. Or halfway appreciated that. He says, he repeats it. In the image of God. He created them. Male and female. Created he them. We're made how? In whose image? In whose likeness? His. Listen to the new living. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Said out loud, God patterned me after himself. God patterned me after himself. But see, he's been around forever from eternity past. He is not developing. He has arrived. (laughs) He is perfection. You and I been around for a few breaths. The reason why uh, in 1 John it talks about, he keeps saying, my little children, my little children. That's not just a figure of speech. We really are. His little, even the oldest of us, are his little children. This life is just not long enough to develop that much. But it's enough to get started in being like him. Like what? Like our father. Like our father. We're created in his likeness and image. But what are we supposed to do once we're born again in him? It's like a daddy. And he has a son or a daughter that's born. And they hold up the baby and they say, he looks just like his daddy. Well, yes and no. What does that mean? There is a lot of difference. The baby's about this long. Daddy's six foot three. The baby's bald and got no teeth. (laughs) Dad, we don't know. But it's different. (laughs) But what are we saying? He looks just like his daddy. Well... As an infant, we see the similarity. 
But to put them side by side and say, is he the full, has he attained the full stature of his father? No, he has not. He has just begun. Oh, can you see this now? And every one of us should be headed toward the fullness of the stature. Somebody said, I thought you were talking about the father. Well, it said of the Christ. Well, it's the same thing. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me. What? Because he is the perfect example of the father. Who the father is like. What the father is like. In maturity and development. So in being like Jesus, it is being like the Father. It is the same. Every child needs a father and a mother to grow up and pattern after. Did you hear this? God patterned them after his own self. And you will. Everything produces after its own kind. Have you ever seen little kids? Especially little kids that have good parents. Parents love them with all their heart. And they love their mom and daddy. What do they want to be? So many times little kids, little boys, want to be like their daddy. Well, my daddy's in heaven. My natural daddy. But man, that's the way I was. Man, if daddy did this, then that's what I wanted to do. Me and my brother too, we were right behind him. Boy, if he he went out in the woods with a gun, we want a gun. Right? If he worked on cars, we want a wrench. Man, never if you don't have a clue what you're doing, you want to do it. Why? That is the image that you have before you, and that is your ideal. That's what you want to be when you grow up. That's all you know. And you're supposed to respect it. And you're supposed to have something you can look up to. You say, well, I didn't have a good father. Well, that's regrettable. But if you're born again, you can never say that. You have a good father. You have the best of the best. And how many know in our church, it ought not be said that there's no natural examples of fathers around. If you're a part of a good church, there ought to be fathers all through the church family. And fathers, you want to be sensitive to this and aware of this. There are situations where there are, you know, uh, children that have not had a proper father figure. And the Lord will lead you to invest some time into their lives. They're not your blood, but they're the blood of Jesus. And God would lead you to give them some input in their life so that they see what a man is supposed to be, what a man of God is supposed to be. Same thing with mothers, what a woman of God is supposed to be. Because, you know, we're learning so much by what we see, not just what we hear. Go with me, if you would, to Philippians. Let me read some scriptures to you. You're there in Philippians. But let me just read some others to you. You can jot these down or just look at them on the screen if they're able to get them up in time. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Don't turn there. Just listen. I'm going to read these off quickly to you. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, Amplified says, Pattern yourselves after me. This is Paul talking. Pattern yourselves after me, follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ. Ephesians 5.1, Amplified, says, Therefore, be imitators of God, copy Him, and follow His example. As well-beloved children imitate their Father. Is this God's way? We are encouraged to do it. We're told to do it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7. In the Amplified again. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7. He said, you know yourselves how it is necessary to imitate our example. Imitate our example. 3 John 11. 3 John 11 says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. That's why it's so important what you're around. Because whatever you're around, you'll start picking it up. Have you noticed that? We are made such that our spirits are impressionable by who and what we're around. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed your children? Hmm? If they're around other kids or other people, can they pick stuff up? In a flash. Good or bad. What will they do? They'll imitate them. Particularly something they respect. 
Or something, another way of saying it, something they think is cool, something they think is hip, they'll imitate it. They'll come in saying and doing stuff. And really, everything that we're doing began as an imitation. Are you with me? We come into this world a blank sheet of paper. How did you learn how to talk? How did you learn which eyebrow to move when you said something? I'm serious. The nuance of every facial expression. Why do some people use their hands more than others when they talk? Body language. Tone. Where did you learn your accent? Why don't I talk like I'm from New Jersey? Huh? Well, really, it's not just because I was born where it was humid. Why do I talk the way I talk? My first words are something I heard, right? I heard my parents or my grandparents. I heard somebody say it, and so I begin to try to say what they say. I saw them sitting at the table. And reaching out their hand and putting food in their mouth. And at some point I tried that myself. See, we don't think about it. But everything we do, we begin by imitation. We got it from somebody. A lot of times people like to think that, you know, no, I came up with all this on my own. I'm a self-made man. Yeah, I originated. I invented this persona. (laughs) No, it's a composite of borrowed things. You know, you see preachers get upset because somebody uses their message. That's my message. Well, if it's any good, God gave it to you. I assure you, if it's any good, you did not just come up with it on your own. It's real simple. If it's good, it's God. If it was bad was you well it was partly good and partly bad partly God partly just you (laughs) but imitation is the way God has given us for spirits to develop now uh, where are you right now hold your place there Go to Hebrews. This is a big subject. You have to be led to get it within a few minutes, you know. Hebrews 13. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you. Who have spoken to you the word of God. Whose faith follow. Now other translations say imitate. Whose faith imitate or follow considering the end of their conversation. The NIV says remember your leaders. Who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. Say it out loud. Imitate Imitate. their faith. faith. Now this goes back to our main text. Doesn't it? Why did God give us ministry gifts? For the perfecting of the saints. Without me trying to explain it to you. Just go back to Philippians now. Where you're holding your place. Oh thank you Lord for this today. Let it come across strong and clear. What are we supposed to do with our leaders? Follow their example. Imitate their faith, right? That's why it's so important for the leaders to be right. Because everything produces after its own kind. You don't want people reproducing your faults. And there's only one way to keep that from happening. Only one way. Get it out of you. 
That's whether you're the head of a church or the head of a family or the head of a business. It's all the same. You know, that's one of the reasons why so many times parents get so upset with their kids. Hmm? Because they look up and they go, I despise that. Why do you get so animated? Because it's something about you that you despise. And you look up and there it is in them. How did it get in them? <laughs> They've been living with you for how long? <laughs> Some folk didn't like that. <laughs> Everything produces after its own kind. It's the law of Genesis. Now notice in Philippians 3 and 12. He said not... As though I had already attained, either were already what? Perfect. Now Paul said, I have not, I am not fully developed. I have not come to the full, you know, manhood, fully developed stage. Do you see why I said in the beginning of this, uh, try to assess where you think you are and then do what? Step back. (laughs) Because if Paul wasn't fully developed... Then where are you? And he says, but out of his own mouth, he said, I do not count myself to have already apprehended. Either already perfect, I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. What has the Lord laid hold on us for? To be like him. This whole passage is emphasizing and re-saying it in different ways. It's old English here. But it's saying to be like him. He said, brethren, I count not myself, verse 13, to have apprehended. Again, that I have gained and attained to the height of development in Christ. But I'm not sitting here crying because I'm not there yet. Hmm? I'm not sitting here lamenting. That I got a long ways to go. I'm after it. I'm after it. Every day I'm after it. I'm forgetting the things that are behind. I'm forgetting all the mistakes. I'm forgetting all the times I acted like a big whiny baby. (laughs) And a little child. I'm forgetting about all that. I'm just forgetting it. I'm also forgetting about all the great victories because there are far greater victories that we can have. And I'm not going to set that as the high mark of my life because I can grow up. I can develop. I can go out beyond here. I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I am a reaching forth under those things that are before. What's he reaching for? I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize. Of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? What is that? That's being just like Jesus. That's what that is. Being just like him. Verse 15. Let us therefore as many as be what? That's what this whole passage is talking about. As many of us as have grown up come to our full development. Let us be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal even this unto you. Why are teenagers so often not like-minded with their parents? I'm talking about good parents. Immaturity. Don't know how dumb they are. But when you grow up, like one individual said, you know, when he was 16, he thought his daddy was the most stupid man on the planet. And by the time he got to what he said about age 20 or so, he was just astounded at how much his daddy had learned. (laughs) Well, it wasn't his daddy that had learned so much in four years. But see, that's the thing about, you know, it's one thing to be dumb. It's another thing to be so dumb you don't know you're dumb. You're so dumb you think you're smart. And you're really ignorant and blind. That's pitiful, isn't it? But that is the case of many adolescents, natural or spiritual. See, spiritually, people can do the same thing that some guys, you know, some youth do. 
Now, let me just say this. Children and youth do not have to go through a crazy stage. That is a lie of the world. Someone says, well, I keep holding my breath. I mean, they just turned 13. And I'm just waiting, you know, for the, the shoe to drop. You're in fear. And you believe lies. Children are not supposed to go through rebellious phases. They're not supposed to. Thank you for those three amens. They're not supposed to. No. But you know, Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, used to say this all the time. He said, you can't put a grown head on a kid. And you can't. Right? How many know when you were 10 and 12 and 13 and 16, there were some things nobody could tell you. You had to grow. You had to develop. But we should have such an advantage as Christians who walk in love and walk in faith and have faith that our Father knows more than us. And trust Him. Even though it doesn't seem that way to us, trust Him that He knows. And He's right. He is the one that we are to imitate and become more like. Now skip on down to the 17th verse here. Well, uh, let me read verse uh, 15 again. As many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal this unto you. Let me say that again. How do you know you're growing up? You quit disagreeing with God. How can uh, uh, good parents I'm talking about, how can they tell with their youth, tell with their parents that they're growing up? Because they're seeing more what mom and dad is talking about. They're understanding more. Instead of it just being, you know, they're thinking, oh, you're not hip. You don't live, you know, you're not a teenager in 2006. You don't know what's going on. People talk about, well, things have changed so much. Yes, and they've changed so little. It's not like it was when I grew up. It most certainly is very much like it was when you grew up. So people don't believe that. Can you tell? Flesh has always been flesh. Huh? Whether it was in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or 80s or 90s or 2000s. Flesh is flesh. The devil is the devil. Temptation is temptation. God is God. If it wasn't something else, it was this. Well, it wasn't cocaine. Yeah, but it might have been moonshine. Uh, well, it wasn't this. Yeah, but it was something else. I mean, before there was a car, before there was a TV, there was something. There's always been temptation. There's always been flesh. See, the enemy has sold us this, you know, not me, but a lot of folk in the body. Why? So that you'll think there's nothing can be done about it. Well, our kids are growing up in a different generation and it's just, what you're saying is there's too much temptation. They can't handle it. There's an excuse for them going crazy. Not anymore than for you going crazy or for me or anybody else in any other generation. The basics are the same. Don't sell yourself a bunch of junk. Don't let the enemy sell you. Now notice in Philippians uh, 17, he went on to say, Brethren, be followers together of me. Follow my example, the Amplified says, and observe those who live after the pattern we have set for you. Now right down in the fourth chapter and the ninth verse, 4-9, get this. This all flows together, you know. And so Paul, by the Spirit of God, he says it again. Those things which you have what? Learned. Now hold on. Learned and received. How did they learn them and receive them? Look at the next word. And what? And heard. And what else? And what's seen in me. You learned them. You received them, you heard them, but what else? You saw them in me. We learn by seeing others do it, more so than by being taught. 
Then there's revelation here this morning. Can you help me get it out? Can you help me with it? We just read in Hebrews. In fact, hold your place here. Turn back there. Hebrews 13. Look at it again. Some of these thoughts may not be as familiar. Those things, I'm going to read this in the Amplified, this Philippians 4, 9. He said, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and model your way of living on it. On what? What you saw in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Now in Hebrews 13, what was it, verse 7? What did he say about your leaders? Hmm? Remember them that have the rule over you and what? Have spoken. They've spoken to you the word of God. Did he just say follow their teaching? What? Whose faith follow considering the end of what? Now that's a King James word that doesn't work as well in our society today. That's their lifestyle. Their way, their manner of life. God never intended that we learn just by hearing somebody tell us how to do it. It's important. But we must have somebody showing us how to do it. Oh, come on. Are you with me now? Showing us. And this is one of the big problems. I don't care whether you're talking about mom and daddy, whether you're talking about pastors, whether you're talking about leaders in the business world. You've got too much of do what I say, not what I do. And it does not work. It does not work. I know, uh, you know, people say, they'll tell their kids, you know, they're smoking cigarette after cigarette. And there's smoke cloud in the living room. And their kid, they look at their kids and go, don't do this. This is a bad habit. It'll hurt you. Don't do it. <sighs> Boy, that's a good cigarette. Don't you, I'm telling I'm forbidding you. You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. They are designed to imitate you. They are designed to re- of God to reproduce you. They may not do it in front of you, but the first chance they get, they go light up. You say, no, my kid won't. Yeah, they already have. You cuss and you go, don't say that. Now, never say that. No, they're going to try it out. First chance they get. You get back to school, get on the playground, they're going to try it out on their friends. They learned a new word. And the more you try to downplay it, the more they want to know about it. The more you whisper about it, try to hide it. Everything produces that. Not just what you tell, what you are. What you do. Oh, come on, are you with me on this? This is so important. It doesn't work as a Christian. It doesn't work as a preacher. To just get up and tell people what to do. And you don't do it yourself. It doesn't work. You can try to hide it. You can do everything you know to do. But you look up and they're going to be doing not what you said. They're going to be doing what you do. I know a man that I loved. He's in heaven now. But he was going through a situation. The Lord dealt with me. I was on the other side of the country from him. And he was going through something with one of his children. And the Lord had me to write him a letter. And I mean I, I didn't want to write it. But the Lord had me to do it. And so I prayed and prayed and tried to get out of it and tried to soften it. But I just, I had to do it. And so I told him because he was doing this. His daughter was, you know, going haywire on him. And I said, listen, I said, you cannot tell her to do something different from what you do. You have to set the example. Don't think you're hiding stuff from her. She sees it. She knows it. Even if she doesn't know the details, she picks up the spirit of it just by being around you. That's what's so surprising to parents to think, well, they never saw me do it. They've lived with you. They'll get it. Having never seen it, they'll get it. It's spiritual. And the thing is, she was doing some of the same things he had done. And without seeing him do it. 
I said, it does not work. I said, there's only one way to fix this. You got to change you. You have to repent. Repent means change. You've got to change you because as soon as she's able to get away from you, she's not going to do what you say. She's going to do what you do. You might be able to control it for a little while, but as soon as she gets away from you, she's going to do not what you said, but what you did. And sure enough, it happened exactly that way. God's merciful, thank God. Even after a lot of mistakes, he's merciful. He's merciful. But it's just so much better. I said it's so much better to save yourself all the problems. We learn by observation. I know uh, I've had uh, two of the greatest dads. My earthly natural father, Billy Moore, who's in heaven now. And my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now. And I've told some of my minister friends a while back, I said, if Keith Moore don't make it, it's not God's fault. Because he's given me every advantage and every good. He's given me examples. And I, I know at uh, Dad's home going last year, one of the ladies that was there, she came to me. She said, well, she said, as long as you're alive... Billy Moore's alive. She said, every time I see you, I see him. And I, every time you talk, I hear him. Amen. Well, that's not surprising. That's my father. Amen. Like father. Like son. Yes, and I go out on the road and teach and have people tell me the same thing. They said, it's like hearing Brother Hagin sometimes, they said. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be surprising. I mean, it's with him as long as I was with my earthly dad. And uh, I don't think you ought to try to mimic somebody. I think that's, what is that? That's, that's not right. It's not real. But there are times something will come out of you just like them. Well, everything you got came from somebody, from somewhere, everything. And, uh, man, what a, you know, the older I get, the more I thank God for these fine examples. Oh, glory to God. I mean, in ministry. I mean, for most everything I learned about ministry, I learned from my father in the faith. And I know I had been with him for a number of years. And he took me on a crusade with him, Phyllis and I. And uh, he's going to allow me to speak in the mornings. And uh, he had me stand up. He introduced me to the crowd. It's a big crowd there. He said, I'm going to have Brother Keith speaking in the morning. He's going to be speaking all this week in the mornings on the subject of faith. And he said, I personally trained Brother Keith. And just said some really kind, nice things. And I sat down. And you might think, well, boy, you'd be blessed by that. And I was. But I was a little troubled. Because at that point, he and I had spent hardly any personal time together. And so in my mind, if somebody personally trains you, you know, it's a lot of one-on-one. You know, you sit and talk after the service and you, you eat together and you pray together. And, and we hadn't done that. Now later, thank God, I, I got some of that. But at that point, it was just pretty much, you know, seen before the service. He says, mostly he'd say, uh, go out there and crank them up good. <laughs> He's talking about leading songs. He he didn't like it dead, you know. Get it going. And uh, that's pretty much what he, our relationship. And um, or he would call on me in the public meeting. Come up here and do this. Come up here and do that. And so even into the evening, that evening, I'm thinking, Lord. Now, you know, maybe I'm just thinking wrong here. But it did seem like he's personally trained me. <laughs> Help me with this. And I just lay there and got quiet and prayed in the spirit. Some, and the Lord began to minister to me. He said, well, certainly he has. Certainly he has. He said, or more correctly, I have trained you through him. He said, but certainly, certainly. He said, it's not human personalities and it's not flesh that you really want to get to know. It's me. It's the anointing. And so many times that anointing is stronger in the service. Not just afterwards when you're eating nachos. Or when you're tired. You see what I'm saying? So many times you got more flesh there. 
He said, sure, sure he has trained you personally. Every day you've been sitting there on that seat. Every day you have seen him interpret the leading of the Spirit. You have seen him yield to the anointing to teach. And you have been learning every second and don't even know it. I thought, oh, glory to God, I know it's true, I know. Because I'd sit something in my spirit, and I I know God wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. And I'd see him do exactly the right thing and go the right. Well, see, I just learned something. I might not have took any notes, but that's imprinted on my spirit. I saw him do it. Oh, come on, are y'all with me now? This is God's main way. Of developing us and training us. We have to watch because we live in the information age. We live in the age of seminars and books and reading. Thank God for reading. Thank God for hearing. But we must have these living examples. Doing it. Oh come on. Doing it. In front of us. In the home. In the church. In the business. Everywhere. A living, breathing. Daddy. And mama. Come on now. That's not just telling you and talking about how to do it, but showing you how to do it. Demonstrating how to do it. Oh, come on. And as you see that, you are going to be transformed. You're going to become what you behold. It will get inside you. It will imprint your spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I know I was in a service some months ago and man started prophesying and started ministering by the gifts of the Spirit and it so much reminded me of some meetings I had been in with Brother Hagin. It so much reminded me and the thing I realized, well, it's not just him, it's the same Spirit. Just one Holy Ghost. But where did I learn that? I didn't have that in my notes. Some things are hard to describe. We should be learning. How to be real men and real women. Real daddies and mamas. Real husbands and wives. Real men of God. Real women of God. And you will not learn it just by reading a book or just by listening to some tapes. Thank God for it, but it's not enough. You need to be around it. You need to see it. You need to hear it. Come on now. And it will impress your spirit. You know, I I enjoyed flying that airplane the other day. Thing handles like a dream. Man, it's nice. But it's taken us, you know, 10 years of training to get to this place. And I've studied books on this particular plane here. I read, you know, books this thick. I've read them and read them and made notes for weeks because I knew this was coming. But it's just a whole nother thing when you sit down in that chair and you snap all those harnesses around you. And you push that button and it goes. And all these lights and all these bars come up. This ain't classroom. This, this ain't no seminar. You pull out on the runway. This ain't no video screen. This, there's a blue jay over there. I smell jet fuel. Right? This is real. You got precept. And you got example. And God intends through our fathers. And through our father God. Our fathers in the faith. And the men and women of God. That God has given us all around us. To impress our spirit. And imprint upon us. And we're learning. We're learning so much. We don't even know we're learning. Just by being around them. And seeing them. And hearing them. I said oh thank God for it. Yes I thank God. Yes but did you know. You are supposed to be a father. And a mother. People are supposed to be being impressed. And imprinted from you. Through you. And isn't that what we're talking about, about growing up? Then instead of you just thinking, I need an example, I need an example, you do. But at some point, you know, here I am today. Both of my fathers are in heaven. They have imprinted me all that they're going to imprint on me personally and physically. But now here you are. And I'm ministering to you. Right? And I'm not looking, where's my daddy up here today? Hmm? I reckon I'm a daddy now. Right? 
The same thing is true for you and for me. In this short life, this has to be happening all the time. So do I have a responsibility to set the right example in the way I act? Not just talking up here. See, what talking on Sunday doesn't mean a thing if there's no life to back it up. Right. So, well, I believe in that preacher. Well, it's exactly the same for you. Exactly the same for you. So I must be conscious everywhere I go. Of course, you know, with more exposure now, it is much more that way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all the time. People are grabbing you and seeing you. So I said, boy, you sure have to live right, don't you? I said, well, I should be anyway, right? Yeah. Because you don't know, you know, anywhere you go and everywhere you go, people could know you. Yeah. Mr. Bar, I'm glad it's not that way with me. Well, you should live the same way anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Being an example, because how many know you can be an example to a total stranger? Yeah. Maybe they don't know you, but you can imprint their spirit. You can imprint, they can learn something by just watching you handle a situation. Watching you walk in love. Watching you walk in faith, they can learn so much just by being around you for a few minutes. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's lift up our hands to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. The Father of all fathers. Jesus said, whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. Whatever I hear Him say, that's what I say. And that's how He grew up and developed in the earth to the full stature. And that's how we do it. Say it out loud, Father God. Give me eyes that see You. Give me ears that hear You. Thank you for setting godly examples. Fathers in the faith. Thank you for showing me. Not just telling me. But demonstrating. Giving me examples. I will. I open my spirit. And my mind. And my being. To be impressed by your examples. And I ask you, make me an example. Make me one like unto my Lord that others could pattern after. Until we all come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of our Lord the Anointed One. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.